Well, there's one thing about the enhanced customer digital experience. Whether we wanted to or not, everybody came along for the ride thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so here we are. How has it worked out so far for financial institutions and the customers they serve? To find out, we'll be talking to Rutger Van Fassen and Gina DeCorla of Informa Financial Intelligence. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Bankadelic, part of the Contrarian New Media family. We encourage you to listen to Dave and Darm Demystify, our podcast from London, and our podcast from Austin, Texas, The Fantagonist. Now, on to the show today, and what a treat. We have got a great tag team, Rutger Van Fassen and Gina DeCorla. Rutger is Vice President of Consumer Lending at Informa Financial Intelligence. Rutger provides his clients with actionable insights from the unique data assets Informa Financial Intelligence generates about the competitive lending landscape. And we have Gina DeCorla, a senior analyst at Informa, working under the Retail Checking and Credit Card Products Division. With three years of experience in the digital banking sector, Gina tailors reports to individual financial institutions, providing the best practice recommendations and benchmarking. In her spare time, she enjoys creative writing and playing the bass guitar. Gina? Pardon me. I'll turn on the Fender amp here. I've got a treat for you. Yeah. Are we powered up? It's a tube amp, so it's warming up. Here we go. Oh, man. <laughs> if I had only known, I would have plugged in my bass so we could have had a quick jam before the start of this podcast. <laughs> Rooker, we don't want to leave you out of the fun either. I saw something on your LinkedIn backdrop that I absolutely loved it was a reference to the new abnormal in lending and those who have listened to many bankadelic podcasts you have heard me use that phrase many many times so i feel a kinship with both of you right off the bat rutger i wanted to start by asking you how do you define the new abnormal as it pertains to lending yeah so what we usually see is that when something dramatic happens like a natural disaster right we go through it, we hunker down, and then there's the aftermath. We rebuild and we get to what we call a new normal. And I think what's happening with the coronavirus is that it's a much slower process and we're still in this twilight zone, which is why I call the new abnormal. There isn't a new normal yet, right? We're still rethinking how we do everything, how to go out to dinner, how to shop, how to do financial transactions. And that's, I think, the phase we're in. And I think it's impacting consumers a lot, right? How they think about their health and how they pivot. Yeah, we're seeing that impact the financial services industry quite a bit, having to do things more remote through digital channels, through omni-channel. And customers also having to find their new abnormal, how to deal with that, if they're comfortable or not, lending again and going into new commitments. 
Well put. Gina, when you look around you and you see this new abnormal landscape, what sticks out as being important? I think Rudger and I both have an interesting perspective here because we get to see really how the banks are adjusting to the changing consumer behaviors with this new abnormal. What sticks out really is the improvements to the digital experience, you know, how we're seeing adjustments to cater to these specific needs, you know, changing spending behaviors, what I've seen with credit cards, reward earning structures changing when people aren't going out to eat at restaurants anymore or aren't going out to see movies. It might be more rewards to be earned on grocery stores or online purchases. So I think that response is really noteworthy and what sticks out the most to me. Then, of course, we have the enhanced digital experience under any circumstances. That's a toughie, much more so right now with the pandemic. We're in an election season, a lot of things swirling around us. When we talk about consumer behaviors and digital experience, what's crucial here? Yeah, I think it's really gone from a nice to have a digital journey to a must have. Before the coronavirus, there were certainly players that were already trying to go down this digital journey route and really provide an omni-channel experience. As everyone had to hunker down and lots of branches had to be closed, everyone had to find a new way to interact with their customers, to do that in a safe way. And so consumers that before the pandemic that might not have been comfortable going through any other channel than the physical channel are now sort of forced to go through a digital or omni-channel journey. And that clearly is changing their experience and potentially their behavior going forward people have been forced through that digital journey and will actually adopt that new process. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to draw from what Rutger's saying, I actually had to recently help my dad conduct a mobile check deposit for the first time. So that was interesting. You know, we were putting the check on like a dark surface and making sure that the camera angle was a certain way and just walking him through that step by step. In a digital experience that might seem a little bit more intuitive and come innately to maybe someone in a millennial generation. To my dad, I was really walking him through it step by step. And I think that what banks will have to do now to really take into account different audiences who are now, as Rudger said, pushed into this digital, they're going to have to make their platforms more accessible and have more contextual help readily available so it could cater to more general audiences now. Everybody who is in this new abnormal, this new realm. I just deposited two checks yesterday. It took me less than 90 seconds. I have waited longer for a fast food hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) than I have to get that sort of job done. And I do not have fond memories of waiting in a teller line that was 10 deep. So the check cashing process is a fantastic example of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And honestly, that's becoming, as we call it, a hygiene factor with banks, meaning most mobile app platforms will now have at least some form of check deposit, even with smaller regional banks and credit unions. It's becoming very commonplace. Certain things that we're seeing that kind of ease consumers into this world of digital voice recognition technology and video banking is starting to take off. U.S. Bank in particular recently 
launched a virtual assistant called the Smart Assistant. And that takes a very voice-forward approach. So it has this new sense of utilizing technology to the best of the bank's ability, but at the same time, they're trying to simulate an experience of speaking with a banking teller. So this virtual assistant being designed to understand natural language, users don't have to style shift into kind of like the robotic way that we're used to talking to (laughs) automated bankers. Instead of saying, show available bank balance, you could just say, hey, how much money is in my bank account? And this virtual assistant will actually understand this in more colloquial, more common language and be able to respond to consumers in a personalized way. That's really important because it kind of eases people who are maybe not used to this new digital scape into, you know, using technology to their advantage. Personal finance management, more than ever, it's chaotic for people. Unemployment, certain sectors that don't look like they're coming back soon. Live entertainment, for example, or restaurants, of course. And people may have had chaotic finances to begin with. Now it's even worse. How can banks and financial institutions help with this personal finance management puzzle? It has become way, way more important now in this uncertain time. I saw an Accenture study that was saying 50% of consumers now rank financial security as one of their top three concerns, and that was up 36% since March. If you can imagine, financial products are always there to serve another purpose, right? No one's excited about getting a mortgage. No one's excited about getting a car loan, right? They're excited about buying a house and buying a car. The financial product is always sort of secondary. But now I think people in this uncertain time really sort of think about their financial situation and anyone helping them with managing their finances and giving them certainty about where they are and what they should be doing. I think that is really important. And that's where financial institutions can really be there for their customers. Then we get the other side of the coin, point of sale financing. Sounds like a major breakthrough in the making. We also have buy now, pay later adoption. What does that look like right now? Do retailers have to foot the cost of this? How does it work? How should it work? You know, I think the interesting thing about the services that are available is the different providers, the different payment service platforms will facilitate these types of payments differently. So PayPal recently launched a new buy now, pay later platform. And it's actually for that platform, it's not the merchant that pays additional fees, it's PayPal that takes on the credit risk. So that's interesting there, because for a lot of platforms, we see that the retailer is fronting, you know, those additional fees and the risk if the consumer misses a payment. But we're starting to see more variety, I think, in this particular type of service. With the buy now, pay later, it's not a new concept, but the ubiquity comes from this current situation with the coronavirus. The sudden economic downturn has put a lot of pressure on consumers to find different ways to make these type of large purchases. And, you know, as certain card issuers might have lowered credit limits because maybe consumers as a whole have been seen as less credit worthy. They're looking at these different options. 
And then buy now, pay later, of course, is presented as a great option. In times you might not have another source to make a large payment. Yeah, and as the name suggests, that point of sale financing really puts it at the point of the transaction. Historically, that's always been a bit of a challenge with that idea of financing being secondary, right? If someone wanted to consume and realize, hey, I don't have the money to pay for this, they then had to go into the secondary process, go to a financial institution, ask for a loan, get the money, and then go back to the primary process of consuming. I think now with the point of sale financing and buy now, pay later, right? It sort of seems seamlessly integrated at the point where the consumer wants to consume, there is the option to finance it to either spread out the payments or take out a loan. That I think makes it so much easier for consumers to do that. And even if that's at a higher cost, convenience for a consumer is key. Now, this is something relatively new in its current form, but of course, we've seen this before in another area, which is in auto finance. The automakers actually provide financing for their vehicles to make sure that their vehicles get sold, right? So that is almost kind of like a buy now, pay later setup for vehicles, and that has worked well over many years. So to Gina's point, with the current situation, economically, I think a lot of people will look for creative ways to finance what they're trying to consume. Absolutely. To add a little bit about how convenient it can be for the consumer, a lot of these buy now, pay later services have no fees or low interest rates. Klarna actually allows customers, if they miss a payment due to maybe insufficient funds on their card or an invalid card, they have up to 10 days after they're notified to make a payment with another card, another funding source. So they don't actually get charged a late payment, which is pretty nice. A lot of banks don't have the same leniency. Well, here's hoping that as we progress from the new abnormal to the new new normal, <laughs> if I may coin a phrase, that both of you are out there continuing to lead the way and that Informa Financial Intelligence is doing what it already does really well. Rutger, Gina, thank you so much for being on Bankadelic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rutger Van Fassen is Vice President of Consumer Lending at Informa Financial Intelligence. Gina DeCorla is Senior Analyst at Informa Financial Intelligence. They are both based in New York. You can find Rutger and Gina on LinkedIn. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. Well... You asked for it, or maybe you didn't, but you're going to get it anyway. An encore performance of Lou Carloso. 
host of Bankadelic, playing his bass guitar. Ready? Good evening, London! Are you ready for some rock and roll? Three bullet points. Number one. What banks will have to do now to really take into account different audiences who are now pushed into digital. They're going to have to make their platforms more accessible and have more contextual help readily available so it could cater to more general audiences. Number two. People in this uncertain time really sort of think about their financial situation and anyone helping them with managing their finances and giving them certainty about where they are and what they should be doing. I think that is really important. And that's where financial institutions can really be there for their customers. Number three. We're still in this twilight zone, which is why I call the new abnormal. We're still rethinking how we do everything, how to go out to dinner, how to shop, how to do financial transactions. And that's impacting consumers a lot, right? How they think about their health and how they pivot. Yeah, we're seeing that impact the financial services industry quite a bit. And now, lose views. As 2020 winds down, and <laughs> boy, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. We can all agree it's been a hell of a year. As hard as 2020 has been to us, a great number of us as consumers need to be kind to ourselves. We've had to learn brand new ways of doing things. And as Rucker Van Fassen and Gina DeCorla so clearly pointed out for us today, we are in a new abnormal that is demanding so much of banks, financial institutions, and consumers. It has created, if you will, another type of digital divide that we're all trying to cross and meet together in one place so that we can do business the way we were used to doing it before. Except for one thing, we'll never be able to do business the way we did before. And in some ways, that's a good thing because digital has accelerated in its growth curve, as I've talked about on other episodes, and consumers have been immersed into this brave new world of digital transformation. They're helping take us there because we have to get them there. Yet there is another digital divide that we should all remember, and that's the one that involves those without access to the technology. Perhaps most of all, the pandemic has been hard on them, and we have seen in Latino and African-American populations especially high death tolls due to COVID-19. God willing, when the pandemic calms down, we can do much not only to bring new people into the fold who have adapted to digital technology, but also those who lack the technological instruments to begin with. Equal access to finance more than ever is a function of where we are as a technological society. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And if you've got a milkshake, I'm drinking. 
Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.